Yeah, I mean, the analogy I have in the book is that, you know, you feel like a butterfly in the wind, where an emotionally mature person is more like a rock sitting on the ground. See, they're, you know, everything that made them that huge, amazing success is gone, and they feel lost, and they don't know how to move forward in their life because everything that defined them is no longer there. When you're emotionally mature, that comes internally. Why do some women seem to have it all together, whereas others seem to be more like a butterfly trying to survive a tornado? Author Cindy McPike observes there is often a common thread pulling through the fabric that weaves the behaviors of women into consistent patterns, whether directive or destructive. One of these threads can be the presence or absence of a supportive father or father figure in the adolescent lives of women. Author Cindy McPike, in her book, Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood, identifies the common struggles and the transformation that is possible on the path towards emotional health. Join this conversation as host Melody Campbell interviews author Cindy McPike, and they discuss what she has learned on her journey from struggling with coping mechanisms that keep her trapped as a victim to learning to understand her own personal worth and how she developed healthy communications of her own needs. Well, hello again. We are back with Cindy McPike, the author of Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood. And today we are going to talk about another section of the book. And let me say, by the way, you really need to read it and it it will put everything that we're talking about here on the podcast into some, a a logical flow and a little bit of context. Um, Cindy's really great about telling some stories from her own life that I know for sure, as I read it, I could relate to. I was like, oh, yes, I know exactly. You know, I've, I've been in a similar situation. And I, I remember experiencing some of those feelings and the thoughts that came with them. You can buy the book on Amazon. Just look up either Girls Without Daddies or you can look up Cindy by Authors. We're going to talk on chapter three. So if, you're, if you have the book and you're following along, we're going to expand on chapter three and the title for that chapter is will you always feel fatherless and cindy one of the things that i wanted to kind of highlight that i thought was really important i actually see this with my own kids is the difference between adulting and emotional maturity you want to say a little bit more about that and and what what's important to know about that Well, the difference between the two is that one is within your control, and that is not adulting. That is um, emotional maturity. Adulting is when things that you've accomplished make you feel like an adult. So you buy a house, so you feel like an adult. You have a child. You you know you should feel like an adult when you have a (laughs) child. But those are all things that outside circumstances can take away from you. And if that's what you're relying on for your emotional stability, it's going to be ripped out from underneath you like a rug because uh, acquisitions happen in companies, downsizes frequently follow, and you're unemployed. 
You're unemployed for a while and all of a sudden you don't have a house. A person with emotional maturity can deal with those things because they're not relying on those things to feel mature. Those are just outside signals that delude you into believing that you're mature. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see a lot of successful people that might have narcissistic tendencies. You know, they're on top of the world. They're, you know dominating everyone and everywhere they go what happens to people when they get that power and then well let's say it's a about it's a construction company and the economy turns and the next thing you know that person's in bankruptcy they're you know everything that made them that huge amazing success is gone and they feel lost and they don't know how to move forward in their life because everything that defined them is no longer there when you're emotionally mature, that comes internally. So you can go through many different things in life and you, you're okay. Yeah, you, you might be going through bankruptcy. You might not have that, you know, 5,000 square foot home anymore, but you know that that's okay and you learn how to deal with that. So the big difference between the two is adulting, as you call it, I like that, is external is external to you whereas emotional maturity is comes from within right well and i'm kind of picturing somebody who like you you just described somebody who's at the top of their game and they've got this impressive job big beautiful house and then something happens and they lose it all without the emotional maturity they're a little bit like an you know a toddler as they begin to handle the problems they are um, they're blaming their current situation on everyone else. And, you know, there, there are times when there are circumstances beyond our control, but it doesn't have to be framed with a lot of judgment and blame. And they start um, <laughs> making everyone around them miserable with their complaining and their tantrums and, um, you know, their neediness and, you know, and on and on. So that's kind of just what I'm picturing. And so that's kind of like, how do you know when, you know, you see somebody like that? Those are some of the signs, right? That, wait a minute, they might be in adult size clothing, but man, they're acting like a toddler. Yeah, I mean, the analogy I have in the book is that, you know, you feel like a butterfly in the wind where yeah. an emotionally mature person is more like a rock sitting on the ground. Yeah, if there's a tsunami, the water's going to wash over it. It might drag it out to sea, but it's still a rock and it didn't die. Mm -hmm. A butterfly in a, in a, in a tornado, that thing's going to die. And that's when people that are relying on adulting basically, you know, often adopt other coping mechanisms, alcohol, mm -hmm. drugs, um, and, you know, they lash out, you know, because they're, they're focusing on the external things that have taken away their sense of stability, um, not recognizing that um, those were never really stable to begin with. Those are well beyond their control. Um, so, yeah, it, you see it a lot. I mean, the financial reversals, uh, which is, you know, the predominant thing that happens to people that have achieved that pinnacle of success, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in an emotional, in a, a financial reversal, that's all ripped away. And what's left, if it's the person that has, has gotten to that level with 
grace and kindness and everything else, they'll be okay, you know, because they know they can do it again. Yeah, something bad happened. Yeah, maybe somebody did something really awful to them and maybe they should have protected themselves more. Maybe it was one of those situations where it was just, you know, they, they usually you can protect yourself in business, you know, but people, you know, make mistakes and they can look at it and say, gosh, in hindsight, I, I really should have never extended that much credit to that contractor, uh, or, you know, to that, that person because I didn't get any collateral. I really should have had it. I got too busy. I got lots of days of full. Things were going well, and it's my own fault. Mm-hmm. And I, then you learn from your mistakes, and you don't make them again. People that are focused on outside sources for their emotional stability have a much more difficult time learning from their mistakes because they can never see that they made a mistake because they're so desperately holding on to that sense of maturity that they thought they had that is now completely gone. So they are literally just struggling to survive. Whereas somebody that's emotionally mature, truly emotionally mature, they're going to go, yeah, this really stinks. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I probably could have done something or this is just one of those, you know, lightning hit twice in the same spot. And I happen to be standing there and, this is a life's blow that I'm just going to have to deal with. So it's complete. Your, your entire emotional stability is completely different when your source of self-confidence comes from emotional maturity versus mm-hmm. these external signals that tell you and everyone else in the world that you're all that. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, cause I was like, okay, now what is the connection between girls with daddies that have a stronger foundation of emotional maturity, or at least they're progressing through the stages. Cause that's, you know, that's a pretty important role that, you know, the father plays for the daughter, or you could, I suppose, say the opposite, the mother for the son, that, that um, it's almost like a catalyst you know, like if you're trying to set some glue and it has to have a catalyst for it to harden. And that, I don't know if that's a good analogy for it, but it's like the, the relationship of girls with daddies is that's the catalyst that causes that emotional maturity. You could even say bees and flowers or whatever, but it's that catalyst that makes that emotional maturity begin to happen over the lifetime. So how did you make the connection between emotional maturity and not having a dad, a responsible or nurturing role, fatherly role model in your life? Well, I mean, it started, it wasn't like it went from A to Z right away. I mean, it started off with me going to a counselor and complaining about other people. I mean, that's, that's how I was brought up. Mm-hmm. Somebody did something to you and then you told everybody that will listen, but not the person that did that to you, that this person did that to me. Isn't that awful? How could they do that to me? It's the same thing as the highly successful person that's having a financial reversal. How could this happen to me? Mm-hmm. How could that vendor do that to me? And, uh, her, she just sat there. It was so fascinating. And I've used this quote, I mean, probably a thousand times since then. And she just looked at me and said, yeah, 
judgment really causes pain. And, um, and I was like, I, I don't even know what that means. And her point was, you're assuming that they did that to you on purpose and you're allowing it to cause you pain because of that assumption. And you're, if that's the way you want to live your life, you're going to be in pain every day of your life because people are not perfect and they're always going to do these things to you. Some of it might be on purpose. And I talk about that in the book. There, there are narcissists out there. And in the example I gave of a highly successful, say, builder would fit into that category if they are, you know, relying on adulting for their emotional maturity. You know, they're, you know, if it's, and you've met people like this, they go into the room, it doesn't go their way, they throw a hissy fit, they just can't, you know, can't understand why the whole world isn't revolving around them. That wasn't me. I, I did some hissy fits. I hope all of us have either that or I'm particularly childlike in not a good way. But <clears throat> through that, then I, did, I just started exploring the levels of emotional maturity and, and how to get through them. How I connected that with um, girls without daddies is that, that, you know, I was, I just started thinking about, you know, well, where, where did my training come from on this emotional reaction that I had? And it, it largely came from my mother because, mm -hmm. you know, she had, she had a father, but he was not emotionally supportive. And so she, she coped the best she could. And she held on to those behavioral patterns in her adult life. And th this is something else that's discussed in the book. I mean, when you're a child and things aren't great, you just accept that. Because frankly, what choice do you have, right? Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. like you can, I mean, I suppose if it was really awful, you could run away or try to get emancipated. But you just accept that, you know, you make do. And then you, this is where the dads come in. When you make do with a less than, um, ideal set of circumstances, you accept that you're not worth it. You accept that this is how you cope with things. And then you just, what trigger point, it's not like when you graduate and you walk down, you know, and you get your diploma, they hand you a little card that says you can stop blaming, blaming people now you're in charge of your life. You just continue that on into your adult life. And you keep making up, you know, you keep blaming other people because that's all you know. Whereas if you have a, a supportive father for girls, it's just, it works better with fathers. Boys tend to have a little bit, you know, be a little bit more devastated when their moms aren't there. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a, a, a lot of detail behind that that's probably not pertinent, obviously, to us because we're talking about girls without daddies. But imagine a young girl, um, you know, coming home and telling her father how this or that happened. I mean, stereotypically, uh, the males, and, and I do mean stereotypically, males tend to be more linearly logical, whereas as women tend to look at things more like a picture all at once. And when you have a linearly logical presence listening to your big picture, which is just a scrambling of things, and that's a beautiful thing in and of itself. I'm not criticizing women at all for being mm -hmm. that way. They're, they're more in touch with their emotions. They're more, you know, they can be more creative, things like that, that are wonderful things come out of it. But a man is going to listen to something like that and say, well, let's, let's think about what really happened here. I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Um, you know, you had a fight with your girlfriend. She said this, you said that. Tell me what happened. Oh, do you think that maybe 
she, uh, you know, that she got really upset with you uh, because you did something without inviting her, and you're 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 upset that she called you out on it. Um, why did that upset you so much? Is it is could it be that maybe you're feeling guilty that you realize you should have invited her? Um, do you think that um, maybe you know she's 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 afraid she's losing you as a friend and they, they help you think about what the other person might be going through and that's the beginning of you know the very early stages of emotional maturity you stop blaming others and you start thinking about what was really happening there not just in the vacuum about your own emotions but you're considering what might be happening with the other person so, you know, in the book I talked about, you know, it, the, everybody has their stuff, right? So people try to cope with things, and when they do it, they throw out these bombs, right? And yeah. if, you're, if you happen to trigger that bomb and it lands by you, boom, right? Mm -hmm. But did, mm -hmm. they, did they literally look at you and throw a bomb at you, or did they, were they just, you know, scrambling to feel good about themselves and something came out of their mouth? And now this big fight is happening. If you're emotionally mature, you can sit there for a long time and let somebody go on and on about how upset they are with you. And, and it's still kind of painful no matter how emotionally mature you are because you want to interrupt, you want to explain your side of the story, but you don't. You sit there and you listen. And then when they get all done explaining to you why they're so upset with you, then you can deal with the real problem, which might have nothing to do with what they're really saying to you is the problem. It, it could be that their feelings were hurt some, about something a week ago. I mean, let's face it, we all have a lot of friends. Some of them are more emotionally mature than others. Once you get to a certain point in your life, you, you, you do start to tend to shed some of those friends that aren't as emotionally mature because they become exhausting, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because you're, you're always having to sit and listen to this one-sided conversation where they're so upset. But when you're going through this emotional growth process, it's actually very helpful to you to practice that. Um, and, and you want to encourage them along and help them grow. But some people, they just aren't ready or they don't have the toolbox or whatever the case may be in it. Eventually, it becomes a drag on time. But I think that the the main thing is that that linearly logical thought helps a young girl over and over and over throughout her childhood. He, he she is helped to see the the problem in a, a little bit more linearly logical way. So they're mm -hmm. not getting this big bubble of emotion that they're really not sorting through and understanding what's really happening. Because mm -hmm. when you're when you're not totally good with yourself, it's a lot harder to listen to someone else tell you that they're mad at you. The first thing you want to do is either shut down emotionally, which would be the more common first reaction, I think, for a girl without a daddy. Um, another reaction is to just violently defend yourself because it's such an assault on your ego that you're so fragile that you just have to start yelling back. It depends. You know, you would yell back at a girlfriend, right? But probably not a boyfriend. The boyfriend, you're going to just crush and roll up in a ball and die inside. 
a girlfriend, you're probably just going to lash out irrational. And everybody's different. I'm not saying it would be that way every time. Every person has their own set of patterns of behavior. But I think the key for a girl without a daddy having a, a father, a supportive father figure, is repeated lessons on how to deal with these types of situations in a healthy manner rather than what they learn without a father, which is to just keep their mouth shut, try not to make any waves, try to make their way through the situation and survive. Mm -hmm. That's a lot different than teaching your daughter, okay, this is, this is what I hear you saying, and here's how I see this happening. Now that I've said that, can you kind of see where I'm coming from? And you might, a dad's going to have to kind of coach him through it a few times before they actually get it. And that's mm -hmm. just a whole pattern of thinking that is completely absent in a girl without a daddy. I mean, and I, I'm going to say maybe not completely, but 95% absent. Mm -hmm. I and mean, you have an inkling that that's something you should be doing, but you just aren't in a position to be able to do it. And if we go through the stages of emotional maturity, those kind of lay it out a little bit better how to go through each one. And, and then you see that pathway a little bit better. Let's talk about what emotional maturity, like what is it? What's the definition? And then let's talk about the different levels and then you know, kind of, kind of wrap up how this, this male, female pattern of, uh, of processing a thought is different and how that helps the, um, kind of what you were saying already, but that, how that logical process helps to graduate her through different levels of emotional maturity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that we'll start with the end goal, which is, the sixth level of emotional maturity, which is called, oddly, emotional detachment. You know, it sounds, doesn't sound emotionally mature to be emotionally detached, but what detached means is you're, you are free from the concepts that other people are imposing on you about yourself. So um, somebody that doesn't have that, for example, if somebody says, wow, you, you know, you, you really did a crappy job or oh gosh you were only married for a year that's not very long you know if you're mm -hmm. emotionally mature you're like yeah I could have done better I'll work harder next time or I did a crappy job because it really didn't warrant a, a, a level it's just one of those things you got to get through um or you know you don't you don't readjust your self-perception because somebody said something like mm -hmm. that to you. you you have confidence inside yourself that you made a good decision, maybe not a perfect one. And it's not perfect. You have enough confidence to be able to, to look at the person and possibly say, you know, you're right. I kind of skated on that. I should have done a better job in the story versus, oh my gosh, I'm so upset. I did a terrible job or they think I did a terrible job. And once you're free from these concepts that you allow others to impose on you, then that is when you are actually able to love unconditionally. Because when you're emotionally mature, you can literally love somebody just because of who they are, not what they do for you, not because they make you feel good, not because of anything like that. It's simply because that's a special person that you want to have in your life. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a huge difference than, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't go into relationships for unconditional love. They go into relationships because that person makes them feel better about themselves. That person feels a need that they have. That person makes them look successful in the world. So like, for example, when I got divorced, you know, I, I was really humbled by that because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm a failure. I failed at my marriage. Um, people are going to think that I, you know, I can't have a healthy relationship. Um, people are going to look down on me because, uh, you know, I, the most important thing presumably in my life I was inadequate at. Whereas now I look at it and I say, sure, I made some mistakes, but I never gave up. It wasn't me that threw in the towel. I would have kept fighting for it. And uh, the other person wasn't willing to do that. So you can think I'm a failure, but I know what I did. And I feel good about how how hard I worked at it. And the hell I put myself through living in that scenario to try to save my marriage. And I don't have to explain that to those people. And And that's that's emotional maturity. You don't have to blame anybody. You don't have to explain it. You're just really happy with your decision and that's all that counts. You did the best you could with what you had at the time. Maybe it wasn't perfect. Maybe if you were in that situation again today, you would be successful, but you can't look at life that way. That's water under the bridge. Life is about learning. That's, you know, every mistake you make is a learning opportunity. You just want to try not to make the same mistake twice. You're going to, but you try not to. Um, but <laughs> yeah. but when, only, when you, only when you have that kind of self-confidence can you love another person. Because people have highs and lows, right? Other people, not everybody's 100% emotionally mature all the time. But, you know, if your your spouse is having a particularly awful day and they come home and they bark at you about something, if you're emotionally mature, you sit there and, you know, when they get done, you look at them and you say, you know what, I know you had a bad day at work and I'm willing to support you through that. But the next time you come through that door and you take it out on me, you're going to have a fight on your hands. Can we agree that you won't do that again? Because that's unacceptable. Um, versus somebody that, you know, not emotionally mature, their, their soul is crushed, right? They're, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, my husband, he's, He's being mean to me. I didn't have anything to do with it. This isn't my fault. Why is he being mean to me? Because he had a bad day at work. Instead, you sit there and you think, well, when he's done doing this, uh, I'm going to let him know this isn't going to happen again because this is unacceptable. And that's a huge difference between those two. And through doing that, you, you literally are able to love that person unconditionally because you can see they're having a bad day. It's affecting yeah. them. They aren't, they aren't handling their bad day well. It has nothing to do with you uh, because you like who you are. You feel good about yourself. And when they get done being a complete, you know what, then you look at them lovingly and you say, this is not okay with me. You know, if you want to, I know you, you're not, you're a man, you're not going to come home and ball and let me put my arms around you and hug you. But if you, I think that next time you come home and you've had a bad day, you need to go for a five mile jog before you open your mouth with me. And then you come home and then I can hug you and love you and support you. Um, but that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, the lack of dramatic reactions and can quite often just completely diffuse you know, I mean, it doesn't always work perfectly every time, but sometimes 
when when we're not emotionally mature, we're almost as um, hooked on or addicted to that dramatic response. It's like because there's a chemical rush in that dramatic response, and but it just it's like somebody throws you know uh, a match on gasoline and it just ignites. And if you're not emotionally mature, you don't you don't know how to control that and say. No, I don't. I don't need to go get inflamed and respond. I can just be like, "Oh, well, he's having a bad day." Not does nothing about me. Um, let's let's go through the um, the stages of emotional. Kind of just um, you know go through the different levels, name them, and say a little bit about them. So level one that starts where what what is level one identified as, and and what's the the skill that you learn at that level. Well, I would like to say that level one is the hardest. Um, it's one of the hardest, but uh, level one is just when you quit blaming other people and you stop being a victim. And that, that's, you know, it's, it's just that simple. I mean, the first, first step about uh, emotional maturity is taking some responsibility for the things that you are allowing to happen to you. And um, that's a really tough one for girls without daddies because you just haven't been raised with that tool set. But reminding ourselves that emotional maturity is when you are not affected by these outside circumstances, then obviously the first step toward emotional maturity is trying to turn off your reaction to these outside circumstances and that's that's the first step is to to kind of the first step toward emotional detachment our mm -hmm. final end goal is to try to recognize that moment when you're stepping out of emotional basic emotional maturity into basic emotional i'm sorry did i say basic emotional imagery you're stepping out of basic emotional maturity into basic emotional immaturity because you're that very first step you take, it's a fork in the road, and those two roads go completely opposite directions. Yeah. If your first, if your first reaction is to take a second and say, "Okay, I'm I'm wanting to complain about this person. Why am I wanting to do that? What did I just let happen to me?" And then you start to own that. Then, that, then you move into the, the next level, emotional honesty. Mm -hmm. And that's, so you, the first thing is just to recognize that you took one step down the wrong road. And then when you stop yourself and you take that one step back, then you start to begin your own feeling, you, you, you know, to own your own feelings and explore why, why am I trying to make this about an outside factor? These are my emotions. This is internal to me. How did I, I don't want to say let this happen to me because as a, a, a woman who used to be at the, I'm arrogantly say level one that I'm past that, um, that's kind of a tough thing to hear. Well, I didn't let it happen to me. They were a jerk. Okay. Mm -hmm. You got another, you got another foot down the wrong road. Take another step back and begin to own your feelings. Then the next stage, you know, moving from emotional honesty, when you begin to own your feelings and your self-discovery begins, 
The next one is level three, which is openness. Now, while I said the first one is hard, um, the first two, this one is the most scary because this is when you start to share your feelings with others. And it, you know, it's called self-disclosure begins. And the reason that this one is, is hard, the first one is hard because it's a, a habit that you have to change. And statistically habits take two to three weeks to change, right? But being open and emotionally vulnerable uh, and sharing your feelings in a, in a world that's uncertain and you haven't done it is very scary. And that's a different kind of hard because you will start to have these conversations and you will feel incredibly vulnerable because you still don't have that ability to feel good about yourself inside. So you're, you're detaching yourself from the outside, but you haven't really learned yet to feel okay about yourself. But, in, but at the same time, you're sharing your feelings with other people. So you don't know if your feelings are okay. You don't know if your feelings are valid. You know, usually when you go and complain to someone, it's a trusted, trusted friend. So you want to start with those trusted, trusted friends and say, you know what, somebody, this person said this to me and I'm trying this new thing where instead of saying, gosh, how could they do that? I want to, I want to really talk with you as my trusted friend about why I'm having such a strong reaction mm -hmm. and, and look at myself a little bit. And if, you know, if, if you have a trusted friend like that, it can be pretty safe. Um, you know, but nobody's perfect, right? No friend is perfectly perfect. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the next step is just that self-disclosure. Then you move into level four, which is assertiveness. And that's when you, in, in addition to discussing your emotions, you do where you start to ask for and receive emotional support and nurturing. So like I said, in, in step two, you start to share it. You can also at the same time do this thing where you're saying, listen, I'm on this, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think about these things about myself and, you know, patterns. Um, and you say, you know, I, want, I really want you to help me learn and grow through this. And you'd be surprised how many people will take to that in a, an extremely positive way because you don't hear that from people a lot, you know. I really want to move to the next level of emotional development, and I want to I want to work on doing this. And um, so I'm not just talking about when I say ask for and receive emotional support. I'm not saying just oh go ask tell somebody you're upset and ask them to listen to you. I'm saying actually in this case when you know for example the guy that I was dating came into the backyard instead of just putting my needs second to him, I could walk over, put my arm on his shoulder and say, listen, I know that you're feeling a little bit left out tonight, but this is what I really need right now. I really need an evening where I can just focus on my son. And I know that's hard for you, um, you know, because our relationship is new and you might be doubting it, but I really need you to put my needs first right now because this, this is very important to me tonight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you aren't really asking for nurturing, but you're basically saying, I know you have needs, but in this case, I'm going to have to make my needs take precedent because it involves my child and that's just the way it's going to be. Um, so 
any questions on that one? Yeah, no. So then if you're, you're getting to the point where you can ask and receive, then what? Then you move into, I'm kind of mixing the stages because you, you, you peel these apart and you call them in stages, but there's a lot of overlap between them. and intermingle, yes. Yeah. So, yes. So the next one would be understanding, emotional understanding. And that's when you begin to understand the cause and effects of emotional responsibility and self-knowledge begins. So this process of unraveling your, you know, your, childhood reaction of putting your needs second to everyone else and you start analyzing that effect and you start you know we go through you know the emotional honesty where you own your feelings you're open about it you're assertive about your emotions and then understanding is when you start to see how everything is reacting together and mm -hmm. that takes a little while it, it takes uh, introspection. It's not a particularly emotionally vulnerable stage to be in. Um, it's definitely openness, in my opinion, is the, the, the one of the hardest ones. Asserting your asserting yourself is as difficult as as learning to share your feelings. Because when you're asserting yourself, you have to feel good enough about yourself to put what you need up there and to stand up for it. Mm -hmm. understanding is the next phase where you can see how all of that interacts right right so, right like, you're, you're not you're not going to be a fist pounding egomaniac that says my needs come first you're going to be able to say what you need and listen to the other person and what they need and this extends to so many things in life I, I had a situation with a car dealership just yesterday where you know they the car was under warranty. They didn't check it. They wanted to charge $2,000. And then all of a sudden, when I said no, they were like, well, wait a minute. This car is under warranty. You could take it to the dealer. And I'm like, you just figured that out, right? I mean, <laughs> seriously. And so, you know, I ended up on the phone with the service manager. And I had to set aside my inclination that they were trying to rip me off. And listen to his perspective, which was that, you know, if they'd let, him, let it drive the car, drive off the lot, the way that it was, you know, that could have been, they could have been liable for it. To which my response is, I have AAA, I can have it tied, you know, towed to the dealership. You weren't doing me any favors. You should have told me that at the beginning. But the mm -hmm. point is, you can stop being angry and trying to force this where you're standing up for yourself because you don't feel comfortable with it, right? You, you got to just blow through it like a hurricane to stand mm -hmm. up for your rights because you don't want anybody to stop you because if you lose your, your, your momentum, you're going to turn into that little girl balled up in a corner. So you come out with both horns pointed forward, you can start relaxing and listening to other people and understanding their perspective, but still come back around and say, okay, I understand where you're coming from, but here's my, here's what I think about that. I could have had it towed at no cost to myself. And you wouldn't have been liable if you had, if you had explained this to me. And frankly, you know, the first thing that a car repair shop does is check whether a car's under warranty. I mean, who are we kidding here? You know, mm. but the difference is you get into an all out, you know, yelling match with somebody or you let them talk, but you still feel like you can stand up for yourself. And honestly, 
for me, this one, you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of, there are times where you move back and forth a little bit between levels. It's not like you hit level six and stay there. You know, you can get into a situation. I can you, just you see can you sitting up. in the lotus position with your thumb and middle finger put together. And this yes. is yes. all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can get, you can get run back all the way to level one, sadly, but you know, like for me, you know, in that situation, I'm kind of, sometimes I listen a little to it, that this is kind of the risk for a girl without daddy. You listen to them to the point where you can understand their perspective so much, you forget about your own. Yes. You have to learn this ability to still, still remember how you went into the conversation and, and maybe you've let go of some of the angst and the anger, but your position is still unchanged. You know, yes. this, this mm -hmm. wasn't handled properly. I understand that you had a thought process behind what you did. So they're not a narcissist, right? They're just a fool or, or somebody that made a mistake. <laughs> or they just and, have a different um, perspective. And, yeah. And I hear that and I appreciate your perspective, but nonetheless, you still can't charge me for it because if you had done it the right way, this wouldn't have cost me a dime. And that's, that's kind of what I mean by understanding. Right. And I can see as you were talking that understanding piece is, is not just a static level. It's one that kind of grows as you grow. So as you're learning to be open and honest and assertive, and then that understanding, you have different levels in that where you understand yourself better. You understand others better. You might identify others as, oh, there's another person, another woman as a girl without a daddy. I can almost tell by the way she's, you know, shooting blame darts at everyone around her. So rather than try to go over there and fix her, I'll just give her a wide berth and yeah, she'll run out of ammunition shortly and we'll all be good. Um, but that, you know, that understanding level is, it, it has some, it seems like it has many levels. And it, you never just arrive at one. I think you go back and forth between level five and level six, emotional detachment. Probably, I mean, I don't know at this point, but I'm guessing that that could continue through the rest of my life. I mean, I think that the, the goal with understanding is where you can get to the point where you can see this situation arising. You can sit back, take a big deep breath, and just say, I'm just going to try to understand. I mean, this one is really about understanding yourself too, but I'm extrapolating it to these situations that we get caught up in mm -hmm. where you just take a big deep breath and say, I'm just going to sit here and listen. Make sure I fully understand what's happening, both from my perspective and theirs. You know, maybe mm -hmm. I slip back into to uh, level one or level two. Um, and I, you know, I didn't handle myself as well. I need to own that. Um, I need to to think about why did I do that? And, and you don't want to get lost in that though, because that's when you back down on what you really want. So you got to kind of, sometimes when you are less than perfect, you're going to, you're going to hit several of these all in one conversation, literally, mm -hmm. if you get that kind of involved. But the main thing is you want to get to the point where you can put your shoulders back in the chair, take a big deep breath and let the other person basically more often than not talk themselves into a hole is usually mm -hmm. what happens um, mm -hmm. versus having it escalate into, you know, a full blown fisticuffs. I mean, I've never fisticuffed anybody, but you know what I mean? <laughs> or you're in yes. a yelling match by the end of it. 
Yeah. Or sometimes they talk themselves. I, I'm sorry. I was going to say, sometimes don't they just, if, especially if they're an emotionally mature person, the conversation begins to become reasonable from both perspectives. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that's the value of surrounding yourself by emotionally mature people. Um, Okay. So we are going to have to pick this up. This is actually a pretty juicy conversation. And what I have to say is that from this point forward, so when we get into chapter four and beyond, we're going to take each one of these maturity levels and go a little deeper. So this was just a broad overview, a, just a brief understanding. The best is yet to come. Some more good stories on how you were, where you were, and you, you matured forward and what that looked like and how your readers and the listeners of this podcast can, can take it as a as a model or as an example of some, some practices that they can try for themselves and become, you know, a little less. And I, I have to tell you, Cindy, I use this all the time now, become less like a tornado or a butterfly in a tornado. That was such a great word picture. No, that was fun. Thank you. You're welcome. You have been listening to a conversation with Cindy McPike author of Girls Without Daddies, Filling the Void of a Fatherless Childhood. This life-changing book is available at Amazon.com in paperback or Kindle version. To invite Cindy for podcast interviews or speaking opportunities, visit girlswithoutdaddies.com. Tune in next week for another emotional transformation conversation.